Greetings, all you 99 percenters. This is your host, Dr. Jack Rasmus. This is Alternative Visions. Okay, <clears throat> last week, uh, we sort of gave a preview of GDP coming uh, based upon uh, the forecasts of uh, uh, the Fed and uh, government uh, and uh, banks, Wells Fargo and other banks, you know. <clears throat> and uh, yesterday we got the actual numbers here from uh, the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is a department of the Commerce Department uh, for GDP for the fourth quarter and for the year 2023. And uh, the actual numbers are a little surprising uh, to uh, those who had forecast a significant weakening in the fourth quarter of uh, last year and for the year. The report that comes out at the end of the year is for the fourth quarter and for the total year, 2023. And it provides uh, comparisons to the previous two years, 22-21. Uh, if we remember, 2021 is when the economy opened up uh, after the shutdowns. Actually, the second and successful reopening, they tried to in 2020 to reopen and it failed, but they reopened uh, in 2021. So 2022 is really the first year of uh, post-COVID shutdown, you might say, <clears throat> where we can see the uh, impact of uh, the spending increases and uh, the Fed stimulus and so forth on the economy. So 2023 is the second year of a uh, full opening uh, and uh, the bottom line, uh, the general message is that uh, uh, 2023, fourth quarter and for the year comes out a, a little bit more, on the face of it anyway, a little, little bit more positive than uh, the forecasters had been estimating amongst myself, of course. Uh, I had predicted a, a greater slowing of consumption uh, and a bigger correction on business investment and inventories, uh, which have happened, but not to the degree. Uh, and um, the question is, why not? Uh, well, let's get into that. But when you look at the annual 2023, uh, you know, the hype and the presentation that you get in the business meeting, like Wall Street Journal, is they're using fourth quarter numbers as headlines here before they talk about 2023, because the fourth quarter is a, a little bit higher than for the whole year, 2023. Uh, so it's a little confusing as to how much uh, GDP really grew and didn't grow if you read the Wall Street Journal. And then they don't really break it down. Uh, they just highlight the strong areas and they ignore the, the weaker areas. And if you peel the onion here on GDP, uh, there's some very significant weaknesses going forward. That's probably why economists in general uh, and the Fed are forecasting for 2024 <clears throat> a much slower growth. Uh, the Fed is forecasting about 1.25% GDP growth with a contraction in the first half and a recovery in the second uh, the big banks research departments are looking at about one to one and a quarter, two. There's a few exceptions to that, uh, which kind of means they're not sure. 
but anyway, uh, the the, uh, the forecast is a, a mild recession this first half, uh, and then a recovery in the second half. <clears throat> uh, but the forecasters and the numbers aren't matching up here. So let's uh, dig down into 2023 GDP to see what's really happening with the economy. <clears throat> what are the weaknesses? What are the surprising areas? And uh, does uh, 2023, when you look at the details, support this view that we're going to have a deeper recession here in the first half of this year? As I've been saying, manufacturing has been contracting, according to purchase, purchasing managers' indexes here, for months. So you could say uh, manufacturing is at least stagnant. Uh, and, uh, of course, residential housing construction is down a third and flat on its back and not really rising. Uh, if interest rates by the Fed... Uh, you know, are significantly reduced this year, and that's a big question mark, uh, then, um, you know, it, all things equal, it may stimulate housing. Uh, but, you know, GDP does not count uh, resales. Uh, GDP only counts new construction in housing. It doesn't count resales. So if rates come down, you may have the builders uh, – looking uh, further into the future, saying, let's build some housing now. But that's easier said than done because housing is so expensive. Uh, really, what's selling new homes or new home construction selling at the high end, uh, not so much at the low end or the middle end. And then once again, uh, you know, home resales, that doesn't count at all. Uh, GDP, a little background here, is composed of four four elements so or categories. So if you're going to say, well, let's look at G GDP and you want to peel the onion, you got to look at the, those four areas, uh, drill down a little bit into the four areas, and then even deeper <clears throat> into the components of those four areas. What are the four areas? Uh, consumption, consumer spending, which is the biggest by far. <clears throat> about two-thirds of total GDP historically. Uh, business investment, which is significant, uh, not as much as, uh, as uh, you know, consumption, household consumption, but business investment is where you get jobs and income that drives consumption. So uh, business investment punches above its weight uh, for the economy. <clears throat> and then there's government spending, um, which has been on a tear here, uh, as we see with all the information about $2 trillion deficits here again, chronic trillion-dollar-plus deficits for years now, uh, driven mostly uh, by uh, uh, defense spending, <clears throat> federal defense spending, uh, of which the Pentagon is only part. Uh, these wars are part. So defense spending is driving government and share of GDP, uh, as well as, as the rising costs of, uh, of uh, health care and health services. <clears throat> uh, that's driving uh, non-defense spending here in terms of GDP. Um, and then the fourth category is what's called net exports. Not a good term, 
but basically it means uh, what's the difference between exports and imports. Exports uh, add to GDP, you know, with sales of goods, mostly goods, very few services from the U.S. to the rest of the world. And then we have imports, which is what uh, uh, we buy from the rest of the rest of the world. Um, and if it's negative, which it is always, we buy more than we sell uh, to the rest of the world. Uh, that's a, a, <clears throat> a negative a subtraction from GDP. So that's always a subtraction. Um, but the question is, if uh, exports which add to GDP uh, sl are slowing slower than imports which subtract from GDP are slowing, <clears throat> then you get a bigger, uh, you, you get a negative number. Uh, but if exports are slowing slower than imports are slowing, you get a positive contribution to GDP because we're looking at the change from the previous period which would be 2022 here. Okay, so uh, that's just a little bit of a background of GDP. Those four elements, once again, consumption, government spending, business investment, and net exports. Now, within consumption, uh, you have categories of uh, goods, in other words, what kind of physical things are people buying, and services, what kind of services are people buying? <clears throat> Uh, and services are much larger than goods as a con con contribution to cons consumer spending here, quite a bit larger, uh, twice more than twice as large as the goods contribution. <clears throat> so services are very important, and uh, services change more slowly because it's so much larger uh, than uh, goods. Goods are goods, uh, you know, increase or decrease uh, are more volatile, <clears throat> you might say. Okay, so uh, services and goods are the deeper components of, of consumption. Uh, what are the components of business investment? Uh, well, business spending on structures, what are those? Oh, that's like offices, Right, malls, um, resorts, uh, hotels, uh, and factories. <clears throat> uh, and then there's another category called business equipment. <clears throat> That's machinery and transport equipment, you know, trucks and so forth, which is very important indicator of what's really going on in the economy. <clears throat> and then there's residential housing, you know, which includes uh, apartments as well as as uh, uh, single homes. And then there's this, this fourth category that was added about a decade ago called intellectual property, <clears throat> which, uh, as I've talked about before, is, is kind of suspect, I think. Uh, but they added it to GDP, uh, to boost GDP back in 2013. Intellectual property is, uh, you know, like creative works, uh, company logos, trademarks, research and development <clears throat> costs by companies, which always were not part of GDP. It's a cost, you know, it's not an expenditure. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> that was moved into GDP uh, and has boosted uh, uh, business investment, um, you know, all things equal. <clears throat> so four, 
four categories, structures, uh, residential, residential housing equipment, and IP, intellectual property, make up uh, a gross business investment, the second largest category. Well, actually, the government spending is a, is a, uh, a large category as well. And uh, government spending breaks down into federal spending, which is defense and non-defense, and state and local government spending. Uh, and then, of course, there's net exports, which is the difference between exports and imports. All right, those are the four categories and some of the main elements of those four categories that constitute GDP. If you want to see what GDP, uh, where the growth in GDP actually is coming from, you've got to look at these four categories and the elements, sub-elements within them. And uh, we'll do that shortly here. Um, and if you want to compare year to year, you know, look at what's changing in those areas because, you know, not all the areas change at the same time. Uh, and the change, the magnitude of the changes and uh, where they're coming from will give you some indication of where the next year, 2024, 24, GDP might be going. Okay, <clears throat> okay so let's uh, break it down a little bit. Uh, first thing you've got to understand, uh, this is what's called real GDP. You know, GDP is the total of all the goods and services produced and consumed right, in a given year. Uh, they also break it down quarterly. <clears throat> so, but let's look at the year, right? Because quarterly, you know, you have a lot of volatility from one direction to another. Let's look at the year itself. Uh, but GDP is all the goods and services bought and sold, right? Now, as I said a minute ago, um, you can't count resale of anything, like a resale of a house. That doesn't, that's not included in GDP because you would get double counting. You'd count it when it was a new house in GDP, and then you'd count it again when it was resold. So it's not counted. Uh, financial asset values stocks and bonds and so forth are not counted. Uh, that doesn't really show what's happening to the economy because a lot of speculation and demand may drive up the price. Uh, you know, you don't want to include Bitcoin <laughs> and cryptocurrencies into GDP because, you know, they, they balloon and they collapse, right? And the same with the stock market. It would be a false indication of the health of the economy. So, you know, What's happening with the stock market is no indication of what's happening with the economy. It's an indication of how well probably the rich are doing because they're spending on stocks and bonds. Okay, um, so financial assets aren't included. Uh, used goods uh, are not, you know, second sales. You know, you resell your car, for example, aren't included. Um, domestic work is not included. Uh, if you... Uh, uh, did, uh, you know, help the, uh, a neighbor build a, a shed or something like that, you know, you have your labor, uh, that's not included because it's not a market price. There's no, no sale, uh, you know, for your service going on. So that's not included. Um, there are other things that aren't, aren't included. <clears throat> Why not? Well, this is just the way that GDP was developed back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, actually, GDP is part of what's called the National Income and Product Accounts, NEPA, all right? 
developed in the 1930s pretty much uh, to, for the government to see whether all the spending it was engaging in was, was resulting in anything. Uh, and then, of course, in World War II to see whether the defense spending by the government was actually resulting in it, in, in growth. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, where it originated. <clears throat> uh, as the economy has become more financialized, of course, uh, the NEPA accounts uh, don't really pick up what's responsible for these big swings in business cycles called recessions and depressions, right? Uh, but that's what it is. Um, uh, you can boost GDP by causing pollution, <clears throat> right? You uh, pollute the economy if there's production behind the pollution, uh, that will boost GDP. And then when you clean up the pollution, that boosts GDP too. Those are called externalities, uh, but they contribute to GDP. I mean, if you really want to see things grow, uh, then pollute the hell out of the economy and we'll get a we'll get our GDP back up, uh, you know, in a, in a healthy area. The other thing you got to think about GDP is that ever since the 2008-9 crash, <clears throat> it hasn't been growing uh, at the normal historic levels in terms of percentages or whatever. Uh, the Under Obama, the recovery was about two-thirds of a normal recovery from a recession. Uh, and then we got Trump, uh, and that was artificially boosted by his big tax cuts. Uh, and then, of course, we had the crash in 2021 uh, once again. And now we, we've got a recovery uh, going on that once again is, is very weak uh, compared to uh, historical averages here. <clears throat> okay. Um, Weak meaning, uh, you know, in 2022, uh, <clears throat> we got uh, a total GDP growth in real terms of uh, less than 2%. And uh, this year, 2023, um, it's 2.5%. Uh, the normal for a recovery period from a recession <clears throat> is well over 3%, 3 to 4%, well over. Uh, and of course, 2022 uh, and 2023 are the first full years of uh, post-recession. Uh, so, you know, we're growing barely at 2% when we, in, in the first two years, when you average both together, um, after the recession of 2021, uh, we're growing barely 2%, uh, and we should be growing 3 to 4%. So this trend that started after the 2008 crash of subnormal real economic recovery uh, under Obama is still here uh, after the 2021 crash, uh, subnormal. Uh, and as I've said before, you know, <clears throat> what you got to look at when you say subnormal is uh, it was <clears throat> a way above normal uh, fiscal monetary stimulus that was thrown at the economy in 2020 and 21 uh, in order to generate a recovery. It was $4 trillion in fiscal stimulus, spending and tax cuts, and $5 trillion in Fed monetary stimulus, $9 trillion. And what did we get? Uh, we 
got a very weak recovery in the first year, 2022, <clears throat> and now we have a uh, recovery of a little over a little over two percent here uh, in 2023, two and a half percent. Okay, for nine trillion dollars, right? And uh, <clears throat> that leads to the point I've been making in my book since 2017, and that is fiscal and monetary policy. Uh, you're just not getting the bang for the buck for the stimulus you used to have. It's just not having an effect on stimulating the real economy, both fiscal and monetary policy. We've got to spend more and more, uh, and we're getting less and less of an of, of a economic real recovery. Why? <clears throat> because as I've argued, a lot of that stimulus, especially the Fed's $5 trillion, is not going into the real economy. It's not going into businesses borrowing that $5 trillion and investing in, in real things, making real things in, in the U.S., uh, hiring real people and real suppliers, paying them wages and you know real, real income. Uh, a lot of that stimulus is going offshore. Right. And you could say the same for the tax cuts uh, element of fiscal spending. Uh, big corporations uh, uh, take the tax cuts and they use it and they expand offshore. Capitalism is expanding globally and has for the last 40 years at, at a higher rate than it ever did before. Expanding abroad. Uh, and a lot of the tax cuts are are leaking out of the economy through big businesses, their foreign direct investment, and it's leaking uh, uh, out of the economy uh, too, uh, even more, more so, uh, going into financial asset markets. That's why the stock and bond markets boomed after, well, during 2020, they boomed, right? Because that $5 trillion uh, Fed stimulus, a lot of it was just siphoned off uh, into uh, financial assets. Stock markets boomed, bond markets did very well. Derivative markets, we don't know, that's hard to see. They did tremendous probably. Uh, and that's why uh, the wealthy have gotten wealthier. You know, we got about 11 million millionaires in this country. Uh, and then we've got the billionaires and the billionaires doubled, doubled. Well, they didn't double it by building things they doubled it by speculating in financial assets. So the fiscal and monetary policy is becoming increasingly inefficient. Efficient meaning how much of a stimulus uh, produces how much of a real recovery. Fiscal and monetary policy are kind of broken because of the financialization of the capitalist economy and the globalization of the U.S. empire, business empire. OK, uh, so uh, that kind of explains why we have slower his than historical normal recoveries from these recessions, the two big ones here, 2008, 10 and now 2021. Right. Why we have the slow recovery going on, slower than normal recovery going on <clears throat> now. It's even slower than GDP indicates because, as I said uh, shortly before, uh, GDP has added 
the government has added that category of intellectual property, which uh, is almost impossible to get a good price estimate from because the government just sort of asks businesses, you know, well, how much how much is your logo and your trademark worth? You know, uh, how much is that uh, uh, software worth? You know, uh, that you got a patent on, and and business says, oh, it's worth this much, right? And they f they inflate the value of it when they report to the government, uh, because if they inflate the value, inflated values on their balance sheet makes them look uh, more profitable than they are, and uh, the more profitable the balance sheet, uh, uh, the more stock awards the CEO gets, right? So. Uh, there's an incentive to uh, uh, boost the balance sheet by uh, arbitrarily setting the price and market value of these things that really aren't traded. Well, I guess, you know, when a company buys another company, it, it can buy its logo or its trademark, you know, or its intellectual property, I guess. <clears throat> uh, but you got to buy the company in order to do that. Uh, any event, uh, IP, 2013, IP, intellectual property, which is now an element of business investment, right, <clears throat> part of GDP, um, boosted uh, GDP by $500 billion. Yeah. How much is it IP worth now? Uh, $1.5 trillion. Yeah. Uh, GDP last year, 2023, as I said, grew two and a half percent, and in terms of uh, magnitude, it's now twenty-seven point three trillion dollars. <throat> we have a twenty-seven uh, trillion dollar uh, GDP, real GDP. Okay, and uh, one point seven trillion of that, I think it was one point seven, maybe it's one point three. I'm not sure, uh, but it's well over uh, a trillion dollars now, up from five hundred. Uh, contribution to GDP, <clears throat> intellectual property. Okay, so keep that in mind. GDP is boosted artificially, I think, uh, because of uh, intellectual property. Now, another way, even a bigger way, that GDP, real GDP, uh, is artificially boosted <clears throat> is uh, by the inflation adjustment, right? Now, the numbers you get in in, in the business uh, and view business news and you know business media uh, is real GDP. In other words, GDP. You look at all the goods and services sold. In other words, at a price, a market price, um, in a given period, produced and sold in a given period, uh, and. Uh, that market value that increase might be due because of inflation not because you sold more of it, you see. So you got to adjust what's called nominal GDP, in other words, the market price of all the goods and services. You got adjusted by the inflation uh, rate in order to get real GDP. Now, the real GDP is the 2.5% for 23, right? Nominal GDP <clears throat> was uh, increased 6.3% in 23. But real GDP is 2.5%. Uh, uh, now, <clears throat> the index, the price index the government uses to adjust nominal market GDP to get real 
GDP is called the GDP deflator index. Uh, it's a methodology that's quite different from consumer price index, which is a separate index. You see, GDP deflator is uh, developed by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is part of the Commerce Department. Uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index, is a separate index that's developed by the Labor Department, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And the methodologies are quite, quite different. That's why you get CPI much higher than the GDP deflator. Now, consider this. <clears throat> If the inflation is higher then the amount of real growth is going to be lower. The higher the inflation rate, the lower the real growth. If we took CPI, which is four plus percent here, latest indicator, right, <clears throat> and subtracted that from uh, Know, from nominal GDP, uh, we would probably reduce uh, uh, not, uh, real GDP by about, about 20% compared to when we use the GDP deflator. In other words, GDP deflator has a lower inflation estimate than the consumer price index. Consumer price index is determined by an actual survey. The, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Labor Department goes out and it surveys, it asks businesses and it asks consumers, households, workers, you know, uh, how much are these prices? It actually goes out and inspects, uh, you know, in many cases, food and, and you know, retail uh, goods and so forth. It inspects it. Uh, now, you know, that survey by the Labor Department, even though the CPI is the highest inflation indicator index, uh, uh, has its problems as well. I've talked about that in some depth last week, and I'm not going to go over it again. Just listen to last week. What are the problems in CPI? The problems, of course, uh, cause the CPI not to fully estimate inflation as well, <clears throat> but it comes closest compared to the GDP index to estimating inflation. Uh, the CPI is uh, about four to 500 of, of the biggest part of a budget, uh, household budget spending, an urban budget spending. In other words, how much do you, you know, your biggest costs are gonna be uh, food and, and shelter and your car and transport and so forth, right? Uh, and those items, because they take up a bigger part of your budget, uh, are given weights. In other words, uh, in the inflation estimate and CPI, uh, shelter is going to play a bigger role in that uh, outcome inflation number <clears throat> because it has a bigger weight, bigger share of your budget, right? So there's weighting of goods and services appropriately uh, in the CPI. Now, in the GDP, there's no weighting. None of the items are given a weight. That's important. That's one way that you lowball, you get a lower number, right? That's one way. Now, you know, I said uh, CPI, four to 500 most purchased goods and services. Uh, GDP measures all the goods and services in the economy. 
And of course, the Commerce Department can't go out and measure the millions and estimate the millions of goods, observe and give weights to the millions of goods and services out there in the U.S. economy, literally millions, you know, from paper clips to uh, uh, electric cars, etc. <clears throat> There's no way they can do it. Uh, they used to give weights until 1995. And then they changed, they, the Commerce Department, changed the way they estimated GDP price adjustment. Remember the importance of adjusting price, reducing nominal market price uh, to, to get the real growth, right? Adjust it for inflation and get the real growth. Very important. The most important factor uh, in, in getting real, uh, real uh, GDP is the inflation index. Uh, you know, far more important than adding new categories like IP. <clears throat> okay. So how does the GDP deflator estimate real growth for these millions of goods and services? I mean, uh, CPI can do it, labor department can do it. They go out and observe it, right? They sample it. You know, in all the major uh, uh, urban areas of the country, they sample it. An observation from a population. Okay, that's a legit statistical thing, even though it's got the problems I mentioned last week. All right, what about GDP deflator? How do they do that? Well, listen to this, folks. They estimate real physical change in output of goods and services. They estimate it from prices. Well, wait a minute. Use prices to estimate prices? That doesn't sound, you know, very reliable. Well, they do. They they look at the price of things, and a lot of that's arbitrary. They don't look at everything, uh, and they estimate the real quantities from the price. Wow, I mean that's that's a little bit like in. Some of these categories, even in the CPI, remember I talked about last week how they estimate insurance? CPI estimates an increase in price of insurance for households, you know, auto insurance. How do they do that? Well, they don't go and ask the insurance companies, how much did you raise your price? Because there's lots of ways to hide the price increase. Oh, they estimate it from the profits of the insurance companies. Retained earnings, profits, right? You know, which is kind of, well, it's it's a methodology, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm suspect of estimating insurance costs from corporate profits. <clears throat> anyway, uh, you know, to get back to GDP, something similar is done for all the G GDP. They estimate physical quantities, physical the increase in the quantity of, of goods and services from previous prices. I got a problem with that, okay? But what's the other alternative, I guess? Because you can't go out and, and, and look at every millions of goods and services and say how much have they changed. You can't do a sample, you see. You can't do a sample. Uh, 
So, you know, the GDP deflator then, then after having estimated physical quantities from price, goes and uses what's called chain pricing to reduce it, to reduce the inflation. Chain pricing. Now, chain prices further lowball actual prices. Why? Because chain prices means uh, you just smooth out the averages of the price increases for for uh, the years prior to in you know, the year you're looking at inflation. It, it reduces. It's a kind of smoothing out uh, of uh, volatility, uh, which lowers lowers the price. Chain prices. You can get a chain prices in CPI, or you can get non-chain prices, you know. Uh, but when you look at GDP, it's chain prices, chain pricing. So you, to summarize, you use prices to estimate quantities, and then you uh, uh, then reduce that, adjust that by price again, chain price index. What I'm trying to tell you is that uh, these methodologies that exist in the government are to some extent arbitrary, right? And they are methodologies that have certain extreme ex assumptions. But people think that this is actual raw data. They think that these numbers, GDP or in cons consumption and retail sales or whatever, are actual numbers of actual quantities that are reported. The same with jobs. Uh, no, these are statistics, which means you employ certain methodologies uh, on the raw information, the raw data, uh, to get a number. Now, we see with GDP, uh, the GDP inflation index adjustment um, has some very strange methodologies that I believe are less reliable when you're estimating inflation, even then, even compared to CPI, which isn't perfect. Okay, uh, the net result, <clears throat> the net result of using GDP deflator is that you get a lower price adjustment, which means you get a higher real GDP. If I raise my price adjustment, let's say by using CPI, right? <clears throat> I would get a lower real growth than they are reporting. The 2.5% for 2023 would be much less, well under 2%, if I used a, a different price index. Okay, well, you know, the counter argument is, well, what else do you got, right, to do this? Uh, this is the best we can do here. Uh, but, you know, they... The media and economists, uh, mainstream economists, say, well, this is good stuff, without challenging uh, the assumptions uh, and the methodology. And then they say, well, what's wrong with our methodology? You know, oh, here it is. And well, it's pretty arcane stuff, esoteric statistical stuff. And the average person uh, could not really understand what they're talking about when they talk about their methodology, right, for GDP. By the way, if you want to uh, understand what I'm kind of saying, summarizing in, in uh, normal language here uh, about the GDP price index deflator, uh, just go read the, the report 
that comes out here with with uh, uh, for for GDP, uh, they they have uh, uh, sections that explain and give examples of what they of, of how they use the deflator and the methodology. You know, and there's a nice box that has borders on it that summarizes it and so forth. You know, go read that for yourself, right? But I'm summarizing my understanding of uh, how that works. And actually, you know, that's just a surface explanation they give you. Uh, they don't tell you about the assumptions that underlie all this. The truth is always in the assumptions in economics. You know, I don't, I don't care if you're talking about uh, macro models or, uh, you know, statistics or whatever. What are the assumptions that are being made that aren't always made very clear? And then uh, look at the methodologies, which has certain assumptions within the assumptions, uh, to you know get a critical picture of what's going on. Okay, so that's what I have to say about inflation and GD GDP. So two things here: uh, this real GDP numbers that we get are uh, overestimated uh, because inflation is underestimated, and because we have this questionable uh, category of business investment called intellectual property uh, that's been added to boost it all. <clears throat> well, let's look at uh, now, having said that, to where is the change in these four categories that have, that's, uh, uh, constitutes this 2.5% last year. By the way, 2.5% is the number from table one of uh, the GDP BEA report. Table one, it says real GDP, <clears throat> i.e. real adjusted as a percent change from the prior period. In other words, 2.5% is how much the economy grew in real terms from 2022. 2.5 is 2023, okay? <clears throat> so let's look at what's going on. Let's peel the onion in GDP to see uh, how much of that 2.5% is attributed to consumption, how much to business investment, how much to government spending, how much to net exports. Okay, uh, consumption. Consumption grew 2.2% over 2022 last year. Uh, in 2023, it grew 2.5% over the previous year. So consumption is actually slowing, well, probably not slowing. You can all look at it two ways. You can say it's always slowing a little bit, or you can say, no, it's holding up, right? Consumers are holding up. Okay, uh, so why are they holding up is the question, right? Well, I think it's because massive use of credit card spending this past year at a record, a record level. I think the total credit card debt's 1.3 trillion, maybe more, right? Uh, and uh, at least half of it now is being carried over, so people are paying interest. And interest on cards are at 20% average, so it's huge. It's a huge uh, sucking out of, uh, of redistributing income of, you know, to lenders from uh, credit card companies and their banks uh, from households, right? 
this interest charge. So credit card spending, I think, is part of it. Uh, another part is uh, people are drawing down their savings uh, well below now uh, historical averages. The savings rate is only it's less than 4%, I think. Uh, during the previous decade, it was all, always above at least 5%. And of course, it ballooned in 2021. But now it's well below 20 In other words, people are spending out their their uh, whatever savings they have. And, you know, just yesterday, uh, uh, a source called USA Facts, USA Facts uh, came out and said 46% of U.S. households, there's 131 million households, 46% have no savings whatsoever. 46% of 131, that's 60 million households in this country, you know, have no savings at all. 60 million. Well, they've certainly exhausted their savings rate, <laughs> right? Uh, <clears throat> and they are the ones who are living off of credit cards, right? So consumer spending, you know, drawing down their savings, uh, increasing credit card spending, and of course other, other debt has gone up as well. Uh, auto debt has gone up. And uh, a big factor uh, in last year's consumption, uh, hold up, holding of consumption levels uh, is autos. A big increase in autos last year, auto sales, driven uh, a lot of consumption. Um, also, healthcare costs have risen, and um, restaurant, bars, and hotels uh, are going strong as well. Uh, that's where you got the consumer spending last year. Uh, that's been sort of uh, holding up. It did not collapse. Uh, you know, it's at 2.2% and compared to 2.5 the previous year. Now, looking at business investment, you see a big contraction, a big swing in business investment. In 2022, it grew at 4.8%. Last year, it contracted by 1.2%. That's a big change from 4.8% growth to negative 1.2%. Unlike consumption that held steady, business investment has contracted. Now, it's even more interesting that contraction, when you peel the onion in business investment, what do you see? You see business equipment, key category, contracting from a 5.2% growth in 22 to a negative 0.1% in 2023, business equipment. The same with housing. You see a contraction even greater last year than in 22. Down 9% 9 in 22, down 10.7% in 23. Now, what's holding up business investment, it would be much worse than the, you know, the general negative 1.2%, is a big swing in business structures. In other words, businesses are building something. In 22, it was a negative 2.1%. In 23, it was a positive 12.7%. So we would have 
if it wasn't for that big swing in business structure investment, we would have a, an even bigger contraction in business investment and a lower GDP. Well, what is that structures? What's going on? You know, remember construction, business investment, could be malls, could be offices, could be resorts and hotels, could be factories. Factory construction is occurring. So why is there such a factory construction? Well, <clears throat> in part, I think it's because of uh, the policies to bring back uh, manufacturing to the U.S., uh, the government passed these bills, these three acts, Infrastructure Act, right, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which has to do with energy construction, and um, the Chip and Modernization Act, in other words, bring back uh, tech and, and chips and predictors, semiconductors to the U.S. because we're going to go to war with China and we better get it the hell out of Asia. <laughs> right? Okay. So I think there's some of that going on if you peel the onion. <clears throat> By the way, that was funded. Those three acts I mentioned in 2022 were passed and were funded <clears throat> uh, by taking money that was left over from COVID relief, unspent money from COVID relief, and spending even more money. That's why we get the $2 trillion a deficit in part. The other part is because of uh, wars and, and giving $150 billion to Ukraine and now blank check to Israel. And I don't know what we're spending on preparing to go to war with China. Um, so big increase in defense spending. Pentagon gets an $85 billion boost, etc. cetera. Um, so structures, holding up business investment that's contracting nonetheless because of residential housing and equipment. Now, IP that we talked about is still positive, slowing a little bit, but still quite positive, also adding to business investment. So if it wasn't for building factories, and if it wasn't for intellectual property, uh, leisure domain, right, manipulation of fictional of market values, uh, business gross business investment will be contracting even more. But even so, contracted significantly from 4.8 to negative 1.2%. It will be interesting to see what happens here in 23 with that. Will business equipment uh, continue? Uh, well, maybe it depends on how much interest rates come down if they do. <clears throat> what about residential housing? Uh, depends on that too. Uh, Structures also depends on that. <clears throat> well, we'll see. But business investment is not very strong and uh, did not contribute very much business investment equipment. Uh, and construction uh, held steady, uh, held up largely by credit card spending and purchasing of autos and uh, drawdown of savings. All right, what about government? What about government spending? Here again, we see a big boost that contributed to 2023 GDP not contracting as much as people thought, right? or slowing as much as people thought. Well, what are the numbers? Well, we see a big shift from a, a negative 0.9% uh, in government spending and growth from the previous year, uh, in other words, less than 22 to 21, uh, we see 
from that negative 0.9% to a growth of 4.0% in 2023. So government spending went way up, way up. Uh, mostly defense spending, but even non-defense. But the defense spending went from a negative 2.8% in 22 to a positive 3.5%. And state and local government spending went up too, from two-tenths of a percent in 22 to 3.8% in 23. Okay, most of that was on uh, uh, wages and benefits, state and local government. <clears throat> defense, of course, was on uh, big increase in defense spending and war spending. Right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so government uh, helped keep GDP. Government shifted <clears throat> from a negative contribution GDP to a positive contribution in 2023, just as consumption held steady <clears throat> and business investment slowed, contracted, but not as much as it would have because of uh, investing in factories. Uh, and then the fourth category is net exports. Okay, what do we got with net exports? Well, <clears throat> the global economy is slowing. So what we got are goods, uh, exports. Uh, our exports are slowing. Our sales of things to the rest of the world is slowing. But our purchase of imports is slowing faster. Now, uh, that turned negative from 8.6% uh, growth in imports to a negative 1.7%. Now, this is, you know, inverse of these other category changes, you know. I mean, uh, the more imports slow, the more GDP grows. But imports have to slow more than uh, exports slow. Bo both are slowing down. Imports are actually contracted. Both are slowing down. But once imports are slowing down faster than exports, so you got a positive difference, which adds to GDP or really you know, does not subtract as much from GDP as it did the previous year. Okay, so that's what you've got when you look at this GDP, a very mixed picture, I think, and not one, in my opinion, that says, oh, we got a soft landing. The economy is doing great. It's doing so wonderful. Two and a half percent? After nine trillion stimulus, the second year of nine trillion stimulus, you know. By the way, that nine trillion stimulus doesn't count the almost two trillion dollars in 2022 that was spent uh, by the government uh, on these three acts: you know, the Infrastructure Act, the Inflation Reduction, and the Chip Modernization Act. Right? That was another 1.65 to two trillion dollars of fiscal spending. Subsidies, the business stimulus. Now, not all of that hit the U.S. economy yet, right? And some of it's being leaked out offshore. <coughs> but still, you know, that probably has had some effect in 2022. So to summarize all this, summarize all this, in my opinion, it doesn't indicate, you know, a robust growth recovery. It doesn't indicate a soft landing. It's really determined, these numbers, this 2.5, is really determined because the price adjustment was reduced by half, 
from the previous year, 2022. It was 6.8 inflation 2022, 3.4 here in 2023. So they reduced it by half. Uh, you've got intellectual property, one and a half trillion dollars, uh, boosting it as well. Consumer spending did not collapse because of cards and credit cards and savings and auto growth. Uh, services spending slowed, but very steadily. Business investment, big increase in structures. It would have been worse. And I'm really worried about when you look at uh, business equipment and residential housing as part of the business investment looks very weak still and will depend a lot about on whether the Fed reduces rates or not. And then government spending, you got a big boost because of war and state and local government uh, giving raises uh, to deal with the huge inflation to keep keep uh, workers in the public sector. And then you got the global economy and imports uh, slowing faster than exports. <clears throat> so that kind of explains GDP uh, here for 2023. And uh, once again, I don't think this indicates necessarily a soft landing. <clears throat> a lot of it has to do with uh, questionable, uh, question, questionable price adjustments. You know, GDP deflator index, very questionable and phony IP values. I don't think this shows that we are in a uh, uh, soft landing in terms of real growth. Right. Real growth. Real growth is not what it indicates. Real growth, I believe, is somewhere around one to one and a half percent GDP last year. About one and a half percent, not two and a half percent. If we if we adjusted prices properly, <clears throat> more accurately. And uh, this year, as they say, forecast one to one and a quarter percent. So you know we got one one and a half percent last two years for nine trillion dollar stimulus. And of course, this is $3 trillion in deficit.